find a podcast where you'll hear the truth and we will praise jesus name we stand for the bible and won't back down from it although it don't bring much fame some folks will like it some will try to deny it but god's word will always stand true Tried in the fire, still good in this hour. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Pod King Bible Study. I'm your co-host, Donald King. And I'm the host of this podcast, Donnie King. This is Friday, July the 1st, special edition number 36. Brother Darren Wood, Modesty. On this podcast, we studied the Bible according to how it was written in the original languages, Greek and Hebrew, and how it was translated into English in the King James Version. In our last episode, we looked into the argument that James is so famous for. He taught that faith must have works that accompany it, or it is not authentic faith. James uses several analogies to prove his point. He concludes that if you don't have works with your faith, your faith is dead. The teaching of James is contrary to what many denominations believe today. We believe you will enjoy this episode. In today's study, we have a discussion with another good friend of ours, Brother Darren Wood. Brother Darren speaks regarding a topic that I believe we need to revive among our conservative churches. We go over what modesty is, why we need it, and how we know modesty when we see it. Brother Darren goes over several things, and he brings a wonderful perspective to this long-held belief of the Pentecostal and holiness people. I challenge you to listen to this episode. I believe we all need to be reminded of these things. Now for the teaching of God's Word and the lesson for today. I'll turn it to the host of our Pod King podcast, our pastor, Brother Donnie King. Thank you for being with us today. We're excited about this study. We are going to be interviewing a good friend of mine, and I'm excited about what he has to say. Well, we're glad to have Brother Darren Wood with us today on the podcast. I've known Brother Darren for a little less than a year now, but I've been intrigued by his Bible knowledge, and he has a great amount of respect that people have for him that have known him for any amount of time, and I've just been thoroughly blessed by getting to know him better. And uh, I'd like for Brother Darren to come on and introduce himself for us. Hello, Brother Donnie. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you. And we've uh, formed a good friendship. Been a little different. We've actually only met one time, but we have talked over the phone several times and uh, have got to know each other somewhat. And I have gleaned a lot from you and appreciate this podcast that you're doing. Just appreciate the work that you're doing. Well, thank you for your kindness. If you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your family, the church that you're now pastoring, and anything else of interest about yourself you feel like that would be beneficial for someone to know. My dad pastored in California, still pastors there, and that's where I was raised. And my dad's name is Denver Wood, and I got married nine years ago. Just married Anna, used to be Olson, wonderful, wonderful lady, very, very pretty. I had a very tough time choosing her because she has a twin sister that looks very similar. And at the time that I went for her, they were both single. So it was quite a challenge. They both have Bible names, Anna and Abigail. I've looked up their names in the Bible, tried every trick in the book. But at the end of the day, I visited with both of them at a camp meeting, and I felt like Anna was the one for me. We talked and were together off and on long distance and and talked on the phone mostly for two and a half years, and we finally got married, and we have three children. My oldest, her name is Adeline. My second is Avery, and my youngest, 
His name is Ezekiel. We are expecting our fourth, my two daughters. They both got saved. Uh, my oldest daughter got saved in a revival. I believe it was January of 2019. She was four. And my younger daughter, she got saved at home in December of 2020. And she was four at the time as well. I believe I have their ages right. And I'm very thankful. And I hope my boy also chooses to serve the Lord at a young age. I did. And I got saved when I was about six. I don't remember a lot about it, but I do remember the first person I told was my cousin, Kevin Wood. He was visiting from Oklahoma and he got so excited for me that then I realized by his expression and his excitement, how big a deal it really was. And he said, come tell my dad. He brought me over (laughs) and I told his dad it was wonderful. And if, if anybody on here is not saved and you happen to get saved near Kevin Wood, He's a good person to make your first person to tell because he really got excited with me and made it that much more special for me. That's wonderful. Well, you just recently took a church, didn't you? Yes, sir. I'm brand new at the job. Started pastoring here in Athens, Arkansas, which is a beautiful place, very much out in the country. I've never lived this far in the country before and a very good group of people. I'm uh, new at the job and have already made a few mistakes, but The day they voted for me, I told them I would require some patience, and I'm sure I've required it, but uh, they've been very good to me, and we're very happy to be here. Praise the Lord for that. I feel like they got a good guy to do the job. Maybe you feel inexperienced, but we all are, because we never know what we're going to face. Yeah, that's for sure. I need the Lord's help, and uh, he has been good to me. He gave me a lot of good men that I can lean on and give me a lot of good people in my life. Most importantly, he gave me the Holy Ghost when I was 12. And if there's anything that I need, I need to be completely full of the Holy Ghost. And that's something that I could never stress enough, the need to have the Holy Ghost in the day that we're living in. That is so true. We do need to be led by the Spirit, and the Bible says we need to walk in the Spirit. Today, you have chosen to talk about a subject that I feel is very important, and that subject is modesty. Is that correct? Yes, sir. This is a subject that a lot of people bypass today, so I am thrilled that you have chosen to speak on that. So why don't you get us started and lay a little groundwork for us and tell us what you got on your heart. Okay, thank you, Brother Donnie. I felt like talking about modesty when Brother Donnie asked me to do this, and modesty is not popular or celebrated or embraced by the world at all, but it still should be by the Christian. Amen. The definition of modest, there's two definitions that I found. And one is unassuming or moderate in the estimation of one's abilities or achievements. The other definition is to avoid impropriety or indecency. I would like to talk about both of these definitions today, but I would like to start with the second definition, to avoid impropriety or indecency. I do believe that modesty is something that applies to both men and women. I don't believe it necessarily applies the same way. And, and, and I'll explain more what, I'm, what I mean here in a minute. Uh, men and women are not created the same. They don't have uh, all the same desires. They don't have all the same struggles. That's but yet, true. both a man and a woman should be modest. I agree. Psalm chapter number 101 is going to be the first verse that I read today. And, and my view applies more to the men, although it applies to women as well. Psalms 101 and 3 I'm just going to read the first part. It says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. The psalmist here stresses something very important that our world is, is kind of turned its back on. But a man who is modest 
will do like this definition said, he will avoid indecency. And in order to avoid indecency, a man has to guard what comes before his eyes. We can't control everything that comes before our eyes. We can't control how everyone else dresses. We can't always control what is brought before us. But there are a lot of things in our control as men. We have these smartphones. You can set a lot of things before your eyes on a smartphone. But if you are practicing modesty and if you are a Christian man, you will not set anything wicked before your eyes on a smartphone. If you are practicing modesty as a Christian man, you will not view things in a magazine that are inappropriate. And I'm going to tell a very personal story here. And I don't tell this with any pride, but I want to tell it because I want to let people know that God is interested in protecting your eyes, especially you young men. I'm excited to hear this. When I was a young boy, there was one time I went and looked and I knew we had JCPenney magazines in our home. And I decided that I would go pick up one of those magazines and go to a section where I didn't belong because I was curious and because there was lust in my heart. My dad walked in at the moment that I picked up that magazine, and he said, Darren, I hope you're not going to look at anything inappropriate in that magazine. And I never did, Brother Donnie. My dad, just by being on guard for me, as a young boy, my dad protected my eyes. And I don't say this to flaunt it in the face of any young man that has had these struggles, but by the grace and help of the Lord, I never did get off in pornography. And I really credit it to a home It was determined to try to keep what was modest before my eyes and what was immodest away from my eyes. That is good. Now, as far as men go keeping wicked things from coming before their eyes, I uh, think of David. David and Bathsheba, he was on top of the roof, and he was looking around, and Bathsheba was bathing herself. David looked upon her. David should have been in war, but instead David was at home, and he looked upon her, and he lusted after her in his heart. But she was not covered. And David was looking upon her. If David had not looked upon her, the fact that she was bathing herself would not have caused David to fall. But David went out on his rooftop and looked upon her. And men, we could put all the blame off on ladies if we choose to, but we do have a lot of control over what comes before our eyes. We do have a lot of control over what we view and what we don't view. And those, uh, a modest heart will not set wicked things before their eyes. That's so true. There was a study that was done several years ago that intrigued me. I read this study about men, and in the study, it it was talking about men who had fallen to adultery or had affairs or they were flirting around with other women. And in that study, nearly everything that that they went over, they couldn't find any common denominators. I mean, some were happily married, some were dissatisfied, some had children, some didn't have children, but there was one common denominator they found in over a hundred ministers, not just men, but ministers that fell to adultery or fell to lust. And in every one of those men, there was one key element and that was pride. Pride in the heart of man will lead to immodesty every time. Yes, sir. I'll be reading scriptures here in a little bit about that, but there's something about the ego of a man. It always seems to get him in trouble. Yes. First Timothy chapter number two and verse number nine addresses women. And it says, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. 
this passage here is pretty straight and it's very simple to understand really he uh tells us that if a woman professes to be godly there will be a way that she is attired there will be a way that she acts and there will be an appropriate nature about her verse 9 he tells us they adorn themselves in modest apparel now modest in the original translation can also be interpreted as orderly. There is something about a lady dressing like a lady that is pleasing unto God. We live in a world that does not embrace this. Oftentimes, they want to argue about different points. I know a common one that is argued about is ladies wearing pants. And there is a scripture in the Old Testament that says it is an abomination for a lady to wear that that pertains to a man. But I have heard some argue and they say, well, There are pants that are made for women, so they don't pertain unto a man. But if you want to take up that argument, I have never seen pants that pertain to women that are modest, but they make them very revealing. They make them usually skin tight. They're not appropriate. No, sir. If a lady really wants to dress modestly and wear pants, she would have to wear men's pants. And then that is an abomination. So (laughs) really, it just makes more sense. For ladies to wear skirts, dresses, and not just skirts and dresses, but skirts and dresses that are not revealing, skirts and dresses that are not trying to flaunt something. Yes. This talks about orderly attire, or like I said, modest is the word it uses here, but it can be orderly apparel. And if a lady has orderly apparel, it should not cause men to act disorderly. Now, that doesn't mean that some men won't act disorderly. There are men that have lust in their heart, and they're going to act in a way that is inappropriate. And that is not excusable either. But a modest lady will not cause that with her attire. It goes on and says, with shamefacedness. Shamefacedness, I have heard told that shamefacedness was basically that a lady had to dress or present herself in an ugly manner. That is not what this means. No. Shamefacedness means bashfulness toward men or reverence and awe towards God. If a lady is shame-faced, she is not forward. She is not flirty, and she is reverent toward God. Brother, are you sure you're not an overbearing male chauvinist? (laughs) I don't believe I am because it's straight out of the Bible, Brother Donnie. Well, see, our culture today, though, thinks that that is archaic, that it's ancient. You know, they believe that when men oppressed women. My goodness, you got to get with the times, man. Well, Brother Donnie, I don't want to get with the times. Uh, the times that we're in, there are many broken homes. There are many abused women. There are many mistreated women. And I happen to think that a lot of that poor treatment of our ladies is done twofold because our men have not guarded what is set before their eyes and because our ladies have not been careful in the way that they present themselves and the way that they dress. I agree with you, my brother. As a matter of fact, I have said for years, a dress problem with a person is really a sign of a heart problem in that person. Yes, sir. I believe that's right. I have another scripture I'll read in just a minute to address that very thing. But in the rest of this, it says, and sobriety. I looked up sobriety and it means self-control. If a lady exercises self-control, she is not going to tempt a man to fall, not with her actions. And it says, not rewarded hair or gold or pearls or costly array. It's interesting to me that the Bible covers both the attire, the attitude, and the expenses 
of a godly lady. And I think a godly lady can be handed a credit card and sent into a shopping center and her husband would not even have to worry because she'll exercise self-control and she will not buy things that she doesn't have the means to buy. She will live within her means because she is modest. That's a topic right there that I believe has been left alone for too long, and I agree wholeheartedly. When me and my wife first got married, we didn't have a lot of money, but we were making it. We were able to pay our bills. It wasn't that we got married and shouldn't have because we didn't have the means coming in. We just didn't have a lot of extras. And during that time, if my wife ever went anywhere to shop with her grandmother, her mother, or her sister, she would call me. And this was long before the days of cell phones. You know, everybody was texting everybody. She would call me before she left and she'd say, hey, look, I'm fixing to go to town. Do we have any extra that I could spend if I find something I need? And she'd tell me, I, I, I'd like to get a new pair of shoes or I, I need a new skirt for such and such. And then she would ask me and I'd say, hey, we've got about $30 that you can spend. And she would go buy that. She never one time went out and spent $200 on a credit card that we could not afford. She always did that in a modest fashion. Yes, sir, and that's such a blessing. My wife, I can tell similar things about her, but my wife one time, I remember we were pretty newly married, and we had a little extra chunk of money, and she went to buy clothes, not just for herself, but for me, and may have had one daughter, at that, our oldest daughter at that time, I cannot remember. And she had a not a massive amount to spend, but it was pretty big in our mind. It was she had a little over a hundred dollars. I don't remember the exact amount to spend on clothes, and she didn't go clothes shopping all the time. This was just occasional thing. And she went, and I can't remember the name right now of the store, but they had a blue slash clearance sale. And she went there, and she spent over a hundred dollars. And the receipt told how much she had saved. And she had saved over $1,500. Oh, and she had wow. bought many different items. And I kept that receipt for a long time because I was so proud that I had a woman that was willing to stretch the dollar. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I believe that modesty includes every area of your life, your dress, and your attitude. Yes, sir. I believe that it does. And I'm going to read a, another passage, First Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 1. And he is once again addressing the ladies. And I know sometimes ladies feel like they get picked on, but I don't believe God wrote any of this down to pick on the ladies. The ladies are very special in the eyes of the Lord. The birth of Christ, the first person to know about it was a lady. The crucifixion of Christ, Jesus made sure he took care of that lady while he was on the cross. And in his resurrection, the first people that knew about his resurrection was once again ladies. So yes. They're very special to God. But he also has some rules that protect both them and the men in our world if they're followed. In First Peter chapter number 3, verse 1 through 4, and I'm not going to talk about all this, but I feel like I need to read it all for it to make sense who he's talking to here. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. And if any obey not the word, they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. I love this scripture here because it brings it down to what I think is one of the key parts about modesty, and that's the heart issue. Oh, we could teach 
all the rules and regulations, but if it's not in your heart, you could dress modest and not have a modest attitude, not have a modest presentation. A lady can dress modest and still be a flirt with every man that comes by. There are many different areas that are not going to be fixed if the heart of man is not right. But here, Peter brings it down to the heart. And he says, let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Unfortunately, our world doesn't put a proper price tag on these things. And our world likes women to think that the best thing they could do is maybe get fancier outfits, more expensive clothes, wear as much gold as they can, and just plaster themselves with all kinds of things from the world. But God has a better design than that. And if God gets in the heart of a woman or a lady, they will have a beauty that excels anything that this world could contribute to. They'll have a beauty that excels anything that this world could add to by decorating them with worldly attire. This passage, he talks about a meek and a quiet spirit. I think it's so interesting that when talking about modesty, Peter focuses so much on the inner man. But so much of modesty is all about the inner man. This meek and quiet spirit, meek can also be interpreted as mild or humble. And quiet can be interpreted as still, undisturbed, or undisturbing. And a lady with a meek and quiet spirit will have her confidence in God. She doesn't need to be disturbed if the men are giving their attention to some flusty lady because she doesn't want a man like that anyway. If a lady is got that meek and quiet spirit, she will not disturb men. If you have men in a business meeting and a lady walks by the window and she is flaunting herself and showing everything that she can and wearing the shiniest objects that she can find, She is going to disturb that meeting. And if those men's hearts are not right, she is going to prompt them to lust. But if a godly lady walks by that window, and if a godly lady has that meek and quiet spirit, it will also be revealed on the outside. And she will not be disturbing to those men. It doesn't mean that those men won't notice that she's a pretty lady. But it does mean that those men will not be prompted to think inappropriately about that lady. That's right. They will actually have to go beyond the woman to lust after her if they're going to do it. It'd have to be from the seed that the devil has planted in their own hearts. It's not the cause of the woman at all. That's correct. I know people will sometimes argue against this and they'll say, well, if a man guards his eyes and tries not to set any evil thing before him, there will still be immodest women that approach him and that flirt with him. And we can't deny that that can happen. But if a man guards his eyes, those ladies that dress in that way are not going to receive any special attention from that man. So and true. if a lady dresses appropriately, a man is not going to feel an invitation to act inappropriately towards her. It does not guarantee that there'll never be a man acting appropriately. There might be some man that does, but he's not going to have an invitation to do so because that lady is not giving him any signals that she wants that. Well said. If I can, I want to read one thing from President John Adams, obviously not Bible, and then talk about the other definition of modesty. This passage here is from John Adams' own writings after he had traveled around, and he said, I have drawn this conclusion, that the manners of women are the most infallible barometer to ascertain the degree of morality and virtue in a nation. 
He also said the Jews, the Greeks, the Romans, the Swiss, the Dutch all lost their public spirit, their Republican principles and habits, and their Republican forms of government when they lost the modesty and domestic virtues of their women. And I do think that the women in our society, the women in our homes, the women in our churches tell a lot by their own modesty or lack thereof. If a lady is modest in her attire, she is modest in her attitude, she is modest in her heart, we can probably derive that her husband safely trusts in her. We can also derive from that that children have good examples to look for and that the children's home is a safe place to dwell in. You can probably assume that there's a lot of good marriages. But if the ladies are all dressed inappropriately and they all act very forward and they flaunt uh, themselves, and if that is common among the ladies, then that is an indicator that the men probably have not shown the ladies respect, that perhaps the men have been abusive or inappropriate toward the ladies. It is also an indicator that the men may desire that of the ladies. And it's an indicator that the men have not led very well and the ladies have not found their proper place very well either. That is so true, my brother. I really believe it was a lack of modesty and a lack of morals that made Jezebel what she was. And we know that she was a very wicked woman, not just because of that, but because she was wicked, that came out on the outside, and she was known for the way she dressed and the way she tried to entice and allure men. That's right. And this may be a little controversial, but Jezebel and a harlot or two in the Bible, I believe, are the only ones you'll read about that painted their face. Yes. And I heard a story one time, a true story, but I cannot remember who the people were in the story. A man came up to a, another man that was holiness, and he was trying to argue against holiness. And he said, oh, you know, any old barn looks better with some paint on it. That older man didn't, didn't hesitate. He looked back and said, you put fire in a barn and the paint's going to be the first thing that comes off. <laughs> That's well said. <laughs> Brother Darren, I've noticed that many mothers dress modestly, but they allow their daughters to dress immodestly at times. Not all mothers, but I've noticed some mothers that did this. And I've noticed that the daughter's attire seems to be a meter that describes the mother's heart. Sometimes the mom allows the daughter to get by with stuff she would never try to put on and go out of the house with, but she'll allow her daughter to do that. I have seen in my lifetime godly women that dress godly at least, they would go and drop their 11, 12-year-old daughters off at the mall and allow them to go into stores that sold very questionable clothing, purchase clothing, and wear clothing that was very revealing while they were there. And to me, that's always bothered me because I feel like that mother is really just playing out what she would like to do through her own daughter. Yes, sir. I think that's right. And I think any mother who is like that does not understand the disservice they're doing to their daughter because they're setting their daughters up to get the kind of man that they wouldn't want their daughters to have, a man that won't respect them, who won't love them, but who will lust after them. And any man who is bound by that lust will not be satisfied with their daughter for long. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, what is your other definition? What are you going to say about that? I'm interested because it, it's really intriguing, that thought. The other definition of modest is unassuming or moderate in the estimation of one's abilities or achievements. We live in a day where 
a lot of us probably struggle. I've had my struggles with it too, of having a big ego, of having high self-esteem, trying to make everything about me. But that is not modesty. That is not pleasing unto God. I heard a funny book. It's actually a true book title. I think it's meant as humorous. But the name of the book is The Five Most Humble People in the World and How I Met the Other Four. <laughs> I love it. Humility is, is not something that probably any of us could say we have mastered. But to me, humility is pretty simple. It's understanding who we are and understanding who God is. And if we have a proper understanding of who God is, then it helps us be humble about who we are and about who we're not. There's several scriptures I could read on this subject. I'm not going to uh, probably read all of them. But First Timothy chapter number 6 and verse number 7 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Now, sometimes we may feel like that we're God's gift to the world. But if we get close enough to God, we will begin to understand how much we truly depend upon Him. We like to act like that we are great within ourselves, but really, we can do nothing in ourselves. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And it is still true today. If you look in the book of Acts, it's so impressive to me to see the humility of Peter and Paul. Now, I have heard some people say that Paul was a proud man. And there are passages in the Bible where Paul has to defend himself and assert some authority in a situation. But I do not believe that Paul was a proud man. If you look at Acts chapter number 10, Peter had Cornelius fall down to worship him. And Peter said, stand up. I myself also am a man. And if a man has true modesty, he is not seeking for worship for himself, but he is giving glory and honor to God. Paul in chapter 14, him and Barnabas both were compared to God. And they got ready to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. And the Bible says that Paul and Barnabas rent their clothes and ran in and said, don't do so wickedly. And I'm not, I'm paraphrasing, said, we are men of like passions. Uh, we are men of like passions as you are, I believe is how he said it. He let them know right off the bat, we're not God. We don't claim to be. We don't pretend to have all the answers. But then he pointed them to God and let them know that God was the maker of all things. And God does have the answers. And a modest Christian will not think that they are the answer or that they have all the answers, but they do know where the answers are found. My, my, what a point that you just brought out. And I really believe that that's such a fitting scripture for the occasion. I'm reminded of John the Baptist. John the Baptist made the statement. They came to him while he's baptizing at the waters of Jordan. And they said, are you the one? And they began to ask him, are you the Messiah? And the Bible said, John, he did not admit that he was because he knew he wasn't. And so later when his disciples came to John and said, listen, Jesus is getting more followers and more disciples than you are. And all the world is going after him. John looks at them and he put things in the proper perspective because John had humility and he was very modest. And he looked at them and he said, I must decrease that he might increase. And I believe that's the way that we should all look at serving God. I believe that's right. And I actually believe it's interesting, even when people try to promote themselves, it always causes problems. And if you look in the Gospels, the mother of John and James tried to promote them, and it made the other disciples angry with them. It's not God's will that we go about trying to promote ourselves and get our own glory. But if we put the glory in the proper place, God will take care of us and he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. 
if I could, I would like to just read a little more. And I know I'm going a little long here today, but First Samuel chapter number 15, we see a clear picture of a man who at one point was very modest and he gave that up and began to become proud and confident in himself. First Samuel chapter number 15 and 16 and 17, then Samuel said unto Saul, say, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, say on. And Samuel said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Samuel here is making a point to Saul that God was pleased with you when you were modest, when you were small in your own sight, when you did not think of yourself as someone or something great. But when you begin to think of yourself as someone great, God is now cutting you off. If you look at the things that King Saul had done, he had sacrificed without Samuel, which was not appropriate because he was so confident. And he became so confident in that that when Samuel came, he just excused himself. And then when God gave Saul specific commands, Saul decided he knew better than God. And I find a problem oftentimes, it's always a problem as a matter of fact, if we think we know better than God. That's true in decisions in life. And that is even true on what we were talking about earlier on the dress standard. If God sets a standard, we don't want to change the standard. And then if you go back to when King Saul was made the king, and Samuel first approached him in chapter 9 and verse 20 and 21, Samuel said, And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee and on all thy father's house? And Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? Now at this point, the Bible tells us Saul was head and shoulders above all the people, but he said he's the smallest in his family. The Bible tells us that he was head and shoulders above all the people, but Saul said, I am the least of all the family. So he did not see himself as near so great. But then in chapter 18, the ladies came out and they sang, Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands. And it infuriated Saul because he felt like he deserved better than that. This wasn't the same man. This was a man who had given over to his immodest desires and it caused him to make a fool of himself. And he threw a javelin at David and tried to kill David. David escaped out of his presence and he did this multiple times. And anybody who becomes fool of themselves will eventually make a fool of themselves. (laughs) I love that turn and play on words that you just did. What you're talking about reminds me of King Uzziah. We hear it quoted a lot in our churches in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, about in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. We get the idea that Uzziah had been standing in the way of Isaiah, seeing the Lord as high and lifted up as he should have been. It took the death of Uzziah before Isaiah seen the Lord that high. Let me give you just a little bit of scriptural background of what happened with Uzziah. The Bible said in 2 Chronicles 26, more, at verse 9, Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. He also built towers in the desert and digged many wells, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains husbandmen also, and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. 
Moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands, according to the number of their account by the hand of Jael, the scribe, and Maasiah, the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600. Under their hand was an army. 300,000 and 7,000 and 500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. Listen to these next few verses. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and haberdashers and bows and slings to cast stones. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows with great stones withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Listen to this next verse. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God. Uzziah was a mighty king. He was a mighty warrior in battle. He was a man that was able to do many things. He invented things. He brought many things to Jerusalem. He was looked up to. But the Bible says when he became strong, the help of God quit helping him because his heart lifted up to his own destruction. He lost all the modesty that he had as a young man and as a king that needed God's help on the battlefield. And he eventually began to think that it was him that was victorious. It was he that was the one that was bringing the victory to Israel. And when that happened, God stripped everything from Uzziah. Yes, sir. And that seems to be a pattern throughout the Bible. You can see the same thing with Nebuchadnezzar. He became lifted up, and God sent him out into the field and stripped him of all his dignity. Yes. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Very important that we always acknowledge him, and that we don't get puffed up in ourselves. I did want to make a point about one other man in the Bible who I believe is probably just a premium example of modesty. And that is Joseph in the book of Genesis. Okay. The Bible tells us the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house, speaking of Potiphar, for Joseph's sake. Then the Bible tells us wife began to flirt, began to try to cause Joseph to fall. And when she approached him, Joseph said to Potiphar's wife, thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now, if Joseph was immodest in his heart, he might have looked it all over and said, the only reason Potiphar is doing so good is because of me. I kind of deserve some payback. But Joseph was too modest of a man for that. He never forgot what was and wasn't appropriate, what was for him and what wasn't for him. He refused to sin against Potiphar, and he refused to sin against God. You can go on to Genesis chapter 41, and you see the modesty of Joseph on total display in verse 15 and 16. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. What a modest man. He had already interpreted dreams, and everything that he had interpreted up to that point had come to pass or was coming to pass, and yet he didn't take credit for it. We call Joseph the dreamer. but when Pharaoh tried giving him credit for interpreting dreams. He said, it is not in me. And he gave all the glory to God. And a modest Christian who has a modest heart will dress, will act, will behave in business. If they're a minister, 
in their ministry, they will remain modest. They will understand that a lot of things are not in our control and a lot of things are not supposed to be dictated by our forward actions, but we leave them to God. We trust God and we accept God's results. I love that you brought Joseph in and used him for an example because Joseph is one of my favorite Old Testament characters. And what I love about Joseph is he's such a beautiful Old Testament picture of Christ in a lot of the ways that he did things. I believe that Christ is a perfect example that we're to live by to be an example to this world of what true modesty is. And I believe that you've really really touched on some very important things, some topics that I feel that need to be covered in our churches even more so, and more than even in our churches, if we get them covered in our day-to-day devotion to God, we won't have to worry about it so much when we go out into the world. That's right, Brother Donnie. Do you have anything else you want to share with us? I just want to thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate your podcast, and I appreciate your friendship, and just appreciate what you're doing here, Brother Donnie. I have thoroughly enjoyed our visit today, and I sure appreciate you coming on. Would you be interested in coming back home sometime? I would be interested. All right. Well, it was good to have you, and we appreciate you and your ministry, and we'll be talking to you. Thank you so much, Brother Donnie. God bless. Very interesting conversation today with Brother Darren Wood on modesty. But remember, friends, if you have a Bible question that you have wondered about and would like an answer to, drop us an email at dkministries1977 at yahoo.com. That's dkministries1977 at yahoo.com. We hope you enjoyed our podcast today, sharing God's Word. But until next time, may God bless you all. Come back and visit us again on Monday for a good episode in the book of James. I'll gladly bear the reproach, Lord, for the gospel's sake. Where I go, you've already been there, cause I'm walking in Jesus' name. Well, I'm walking in Jesus' name, I'm going where he bid to go. Dressing and talking like he wants me to He's a keeper of my soul I have learned to lean on Jesus And cast on him my ever concern I'm looking for a home in glory Where no sorrow will end